crowd in the background chanting Luke. He's the one guy that can match the Michigan three-point shooter, Luke Hancock. And he's done it to the tune of trying to get his team on the lead. And up ahead to Siva. Oh. Hello and welcome to another episode of What High School Did You Go To? I'm Gabe DeVerge. And I'm Chris Hatfield. Excited to be back here. And Gabe, right off the bat, I have a loaded question for you. All right, hit me, Chris. I'm excited. I love it when you do this. (laughs) I love it when you do this right off the bat. Yeah, so I know that me and you um, are kind of listeners of the the Bill Simmons podcast, and um, good pod, both, good pod, recommend. I think we both agree, great interviewer, you know, corny writer, corny um, writer. But he recently had Jack of Twitter on his podcast, probably two or three episodes ago, and you know there was a lot of good discussion amongst the two, and. Something that it kind of circled back to, it kept circling back to throughout the interview and you never really got an answer from Jack. Um, But obviously Facebook has their amount of challenges. Um, They're a lot more well well documented (laughs) than, than Twitter's have been. But this, this philosophical question always comes back of social media and more, I think even on Twitter is how much of a responsibility do you know creators of Twitter and creators of Facebook have to deal with with harassment of their users? Because like like I've told you before is like I kind of view I was attracted to Twitter because it's like, hey, I can sit down with 20 people and watch a basketball game with them and everyone can right. make these comments and we can all have a conversation. And I've always looked at like NBA Twitter is like the perfect world because yeah. there's there's characters that, you know, there's worldwide wobble. There's guys that that analyze the game from different levels. And you never really have like a harassment issue because I've told you as I was we were just kind of talking before, like players kind of like you know they police twitter themselves like if someone says too much they'll they'll kind of shoot back at them we see joel and bean do it so i just uh, just kind of want to hear your thoughts on what you kind of think about social media's role in just you know limiting harassment yeah and let's be clear i think just in case people aren't aware jack jack dorsey ceo of, of twitter uh if you look him up on right now he has like this ridiculous beard and hair just totally random but i i love this question and it's something i've thought about especially even when i was i haven't listened to the full episode of the podcast but i i heard bill talk about that in a separate one and i think for me i think those those platforms the twitters the facebook they have like full especially when it comes to harassment that leads to like events that have an impact on people's real lives. You know, there's been a ton of people who unfortunately have self-harmed themselves after harassment, who've had to go and, and, you know, really look at their mental health. And I think when it, when it comes to those things that these brand, these platforms and these large groups, they have to, they are the ones who have the power to, to shut these things off. So I, I do, I am of the belief that they have to be sort of a police force, which I know is really difficult. You know, it's not that it's really difficult. It's, it's not something that these companies want to spend millions and millions and potentially billions of dollars doing. Mm 
But yeah. I do, I am of the kind of belief that, especially just because of the way that social media has been used by kids, just on its own. It's like, yeah, it's up to parents, but to, to, to keep an eye on those things. But come on, like what you and I can say, we did things that, you know, we were on websites we shouldn't have been on, or we, sure. we were in situations we shouldn't have been on. And I've heard horror stories of kids, you know, of kids getting bullied on, on social media and it just, it ends poorly. And there, there has to be, the buck has to stop somewhere. And at some point it stops with the people who own the platform and, and run it. Yeah. I think the, and Jack kind of talked about this as like being kind of like his first like issue with Twitter right now is how many anonymous accounts they are. They've never yeah. required anyone to use, you know, real names. And that's, that's a difficult part because that's always been a beauty of, of Twitter is like creating these, these fake personas that no one really knew who was behind them. I mean, PF commentator for the longest time is the perfect example. Of exactly. Um, exactly. But I think that directly plays a role into it. And I, it's, it's weird for me because I feel like we'll, we'll get to this point where, you know, the guys that are 13, 14 right now, when they, when they're 20 years old, they're going to be to a point where they're kind of numb to this. Like, yeah. That's to a good what, point. Yeah. What people say to them on social media, but well, I don't think you'll ever have a point where, you know, kids are just being brought into it and it's, it's jarring. I mean, I, I remember the first time that I wrote something and someone told me just how bad of a person I was and how much of an idiot I was. And it's, <laughs> it's just jarring that people kind of, cause I've always been over this belief. If you've got two people, it's, it's a belief that sometimes can be shaken, especially with what's going on in the world. But I've always been of this belief. If you've got two people in a room, they're not going to be the same people they are online. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was just curious, um, kind of, kind of, no, it's a good question. And I don't think we could talk about for an hour and a half and it's, I mean, like, and even Jack, you know, like he kind of didn't really answer some of the questions, some of the concerns. And I don't think that's necessarily means he doesn't care about the problem. I think he just doesn't know, unfortunately, from a business point of view, what the best way to solve it is. What was funny is like Bill Simmons kept going back to, okay, so you know, this is a problem, but what is the timeline to fix it? And there's just, there was no direct answer. So I think that's what, you know, if you want to put Facebook and Twitter against each other, there's, there's not really any uh, any bones about who is who has committed some of the the more gruesome things. There's one person that's going to, you know, kind of admit to some of the problems <laughs> and put a face to the issues they've had. And then there's another person that's going to just completely ignore it. And then it's thrown in their face and they're like, holy shit, we do have issues. So I think that's one positive thing you can say for Twitter. But, yeah, um, Maybe one day we can uh, get some get some answers on as to when some of this stuff because I I think it's truly an interesting thing and it's, it's definitely a not a problem that's ever going to go away. You know? That's the thing is and and I think once we get to the point where we're like, oh, we have this solution, something new is going to happen. It's not you know, it's everything's going to change at all times. It's it's a great question and it's. It's something I think about, even like as corny as it is, as a father, I think about it a lot. Yeah, (laughs) I think about what's what's this going to be like? I mean, I I freaking love Twitter. Like, I I love Twitter. I love the community. I love the stuff. But you're right. Like random things happen. Like I had this random person, you know, say that I was discriminatory today because of a tweet. 
uh, a tweet that I had that went, that sort of went semi-viral. That video, uh, the video I posted. If you follow me on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about <laughs> of, of the husband and wife, which may or may not be husband and wife. They may have just been a female and a male, just high fiving very aggressively mm-hmm. at this Kentucky basketball game. And this woman, kind of out of nowhere, I don't know her. Two people I follow follow her. She's from California, and she went out and she says being discriminatory against the woman and i i didn't i didn't understand and i was really confused and it's just and that's it's that's nowhere near some kids ganging up on a on another kid and and saying terrible horrible things but it just reminded me just people are just so willing to say something completely random and i replied to the one like you you're you're basing your comments based on something that's not true based on this two this one sentence you're saying that i'm discriminatory against people and it just yeah. it didn't make any sense to me and and, and I just know that's like one that's like one, the smallest slither. And people take that inch and they make it a mile. Yeah, I mean, we can we can make this seamless, uh, seamless transition to global basketball in just a second. But, <laughs> um, it's it's interesting, man, because like people lose their jobs, not often, but, you know, fairly regularly. And sometimes they're warranted, but sometimes they're just people saying things that they shouldn't have said. Right. And, you know, they, they should just come out and, and admit that they made a mistake and they don't do that because of, you know, Twitter, Twitter feels a lot louder than sometimes it is. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's, it's, it's an easy. Yeah, it's easy to see how that those emotions, you know, could weigh on a 13 to 14 year old kid. And I, I think that Who doesn't understand I, that. Right. Sure. And, and I think the that kind of demographic and that age group is the real, real issue for yeah. Twitter. And, and no it's going to be going to be something going forward for sure. No, and like you said, we could we could talk about that. We could talk about that for forever. But, I, you know, it's a good conversation. And so I'm sure we'll talk about similar issues. I mean, I know we sort of, you know, we've had Twitter problems in our Louisville Twitter community before and recently and hashtag free Thor. Thor's free. Shout out to my man Thor. Um, but yeah, you're right, Chris. We so, got to talk about Louisville basketball. Thor, Thor's not spending any gel time though right no no okay Thoris and and he's out and um you know uh he, it sounds like he's ready to put this behind him and uh that's i think just kind of where he's at is my understanding and if he's listening wish all the best to him showing him love uh but yeah so it's it's twitter is a weird fun place that just can go terribly wrong in such a stupid way but like we still love it i don't know it's <laughs> It's weird, man. I could, yeah, we could wax poetic for hours, but it's a Louisville basketball, <laughs> Louisville basketball. <laughs> Speaking of waxing poetic, Chris, uh, we're, we're recording this Monday evening. So today at 12, we got the big news. Louisville basketball back in the top 15 ranked 15th in the AP poll. The AP poll doesn't mean anything, but I cannot lie. It felt so freaking good to see that number 15 besides Louisville in that poll. Uh, Louisville still Louisville's 13th in the Ken Palm rankings. They're 11th in the net rankings. Uh, it's going really well, Chris. What you know, what how do you feel? about? are you with me or am I overreacting to this? Yeah, age? I almost had my uh, <laughs> Sam. It was the Texas quarterback, the Sam Erlinger moment just at work, just screaming, we're back. 
to everyone. <laughs> I know. I was... Didn't really know what the hell I was talking about. Probably <laughs> thought I was a madman. But dude, a, a top fifteen ranking legit feels just like it's it's different. I don't know for whatever reason it felt different than just being ranked. And it just it, yeah, it was like we're back. We're back. It just didn't feel like a fluke. And especially, uh, listen, I mean, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about what's to come. It's, it's January the 28th. And we know in three days that things about to get real serious, real fast or four days, real serious, real fast. And, uh, but it just, it's just kind of cool that we've, we've had a, we're actually going to get a week to at least enjoy this before I know. We, we get to February. Like, cause we, we didn't know we'd get any of that. And we at least just have like a grace, you know, you have freaking Wake Forest who we can, you know, Louisville could bring their C game and probably be fine. So it is nice that, you know, that we kind of have this, yes. this moment of just. And like, listen, break. if Louisville loses to North Carolina on Saturday, and we'll talk about that game here soon, if Louisville loses to North Carolina on Saturday, no one's going to be like, oh, this Louisville team they're pretenders you right. know no one's no one's gonna say that so it's kind of you're right it's we get this week to really relish this i you know in several group chats that were filled with mixed company Louisville uk fans was very boastful was very happy we 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 didn't expect this and everyone in their in their mother said that on the radio today but it just it doesn't change the fact that it's Louisville fans have gone through so much garbage, so much bullshit. And here we are, top 15. This is looking like a second weekend team um, in every sense of the word. And they're winning they're winning games they shouldn't have won. I mean, we could talk a little bit about that NC State game, Chris. Like you and I texted and everyone I texted Louisville basketball at the beginning of the season, the team we believe that team to be loses that NC State game 100 out of 100 times. Right. I mean, here's one just one player stat to show you just how remarkable and unexpected things have been this season. Christian Cunningham. His career, he had never had 2014 season. He was negative 3.6 plus minus 2015 negative 2.4 plus minus 2016 negative 1.9. This season, his only season in a little basketball uniform plus 6.2. And that's that just perfectly to me is a stat like that. A, yeah. And yeah. Almost an eight point jump, six points in favor of uh, the team you're playing for kind of encapsulates just how ridiculous and unexpected this season has been. It wasn't what two months ago that we were having serious debates on whether Christian Cunningham or Darius Perry would be starting at the end of the season. <laughs> so, um, yeah, everything. That, no, all the all the puzzles, puzzle, all the puzzle pieces are coming together right now. And it's easy to say where we have this, you know, we've had this stretch of games that have been winnable, but it's just, you know, we went into a conference play really believing that this team was going to struggle every single night. And it's just, it's fantastic just to see them take care of business against teams, against Georgia tech, against Pittsburgh after, you know, avenging that Pittsburgh loss, which just really appears Chris to have been the turning point in this season. Right. Yeah. Like we can really definitively say that at this point, you know, maybe sure they lose, you know, five games in February. But I think Louisville learned who it could be after that Pittsburgh game. I would like to know the last time that Louisville had won four out of his last five conference games by double digits, because I, I feel like that's been no, quite some time um, against quality I, teams, too. Like, it's not, yeah, you know, it's, I, I did look up the the. The, when they won the third straight, I know that they didn't do it pageant seasons and they didn't do it 
the year uh, before that. They had done it. Uh, year, yeah. yeah, I guess they did it the 2015, 2016 year, but they didn't include a ranked team in that stretch. And, and you know, North Carolina was included in that stretch and now NC State, too. But yeah, man, um, any way you want to look at it, it's been pretty ridiculous. And now Louisville's kind of in a point to where they can go from anywhere, in my estimation, to an eight seed all the way up to maybe a four or three seed. Yeah. Just depending on how February plays out. I think all of those are in range. And we're in a place where we can feel comfortable. I mean, I it would take us to it would I, I, it would take a sincere downturn in this team. It would take a lot of things going wrong for us to really believe that the tournament berth is in doubt. And that's what we wanted going into the season. We wanted to make the tournament. And now the goal, I think a lot of people, I mean, I, I don't think people think a, a sweet 16 is given, but that seems to be the goal at this point. Yeah. And I, I, I don't think I can't blame anyone for, for disagreeing or for, for, you know, for agreeing with that. Like it's that, that's, that seems to be a, not a lofty, not quite an out of reach goal for this team. Uh, just the way they've been playing and the way that they've been able to win in so many different fashions and forms. Did you know that Joe Lenardi still has Indiana in the tournament? <laughs> I'm just, well, that's I'm, why. I'm just, just pulled it up. That, that's wild to me. Cause I was going to actually, I have this weird feeling that like if Louisville got like a six seed, I'd be fine with it. Or if they get a four seed, I'd be fine with it. But I'd almost rather them have an eight seed over a five seed because just, just hear me out for just a second. Okay. That's a a controversial take. So please five seed Purdue first round game, Murray state eight seed Mississippi state first round game, Indiana. You tell me which team you want to play in the first round. Well, I don't think I don't think Indiana is. I mean, the way Indiana is trending, I don't think they're making tournaments. No, this I don't. Why either, I, but. This is why I'm a uh, I'm a very staunch bracket matrix guy, as as some people listening will know. Because yeah. I just you can't. I don't like relying on like what one. That's dude. a fair. Shout fair to Joey point. Brackets. Shout to Joey. Leonardi's probably not. He's not very good at his job. I, I understand that. I love the, the bunker. I wish I could attend. Joe, Joe Leonardi's actually doing a cruise in like May, and I. I like I joked with with Mike Rutherford when it came out on the on Card Chronicles, like we got to do this. And <laughs> I wish I could go, but I can't. <laughs> I'm all set on the Joey Brackets. Uh, who is <laughs> who's the most likely Louisville media member to to want to actually go to that, like and, and be very interested in it? Do you have do you have a like person in a non serious way? No, in a serious way, in a serious way. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be Sully, right? I I would love to, like, I was hoping it would be somebody different, but I was just making sure we're on the same page. It's got to be Sully. (laughs) I can just, uh, yeah. But, uh, you know, Chris, we do want to apologize to the to the listeners. We spent like 20 minutes last episode talking about the wonder, the beauty, the excellence that is Jordan Wara. And uh, Jordan proceeded to have his, <laughs> this worst game of the season. Like two straight terrible games. Yeah. Um, well, not terrible. Uh, the North Carolina State game was really bad. Wasn't too things weren't too bad against Pittsburgh. He still scored 13 points against North Carolina State just by getting to the line. He, was, yeah, he was he was 0 from seven for three. Uh, Pittsburgh, he was uh, he was six for 16, three or four from the line. Yeah, but North Carolina State he turned the ball over four times. Like that just yeah. you're not gonna do that. But, Honestly, um, though, like. 
I don't want to look ahead to next season too much, but that North Carolina State game kind of do, does illustrate the things that you could kind of sell to him if you wanted him to come back. Because yeah. I think there are legit things that he can improve. Like Dean Adele, there wasn't really much he could improve to his stock, but I think Nawar could become a better sh- shot selection and a better defender. And I think he could legitimately do that. But that's, I mean, that's a whole other whole other conversation. But just as an aside there, I thought that was. No. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And the, and the one thing to say about the game is, you know, he did miss a lot of shots, but then he started assist, throwing out assists. He had four assists, right. which match, matches his season high this year. But no, I'm with you. I mean, he's he he has been playing some better defense, I think, in this stretch of six of uh, I'm sorry, five straight wins. Um, and and I, I I will give him the credit there. Uh, but, yeah, he does. You know, he does enter those situations where if he starts missing a few threes, you just see him miss, you know, four or five more and he starts mm-hmm. forcing those shots. And that's something I think he, yeah, I completely agree with you. He could definitely work on it. Um, but I mean, just to talk about while we're on the topic of Jordan or like that, oop, man, that alley in this, um, in the in the Pittsburgh game, the no look CC to Jordan Orr game. Oop, I, I just I couldn't even. No, nah, it was I watched it about eighty times. It, it was back to it was back to back no look passes. He had one in the uh, NC State game that wasn't an alley hoop, but it was a yeah. it was a corner three maybe. Yeah. Um. But yeah. <laughs> and I was listening on <laughs> my way home, and I th- I think it was Mark Blake and Baker. It might have been uh, it might have been Mark Ennis. They were talking on their show about the game, and it's like what. I think it's like the one offensive play. They said this is a great point. They think the one offensive play that really demonstrates how they've been improving offensively. It just showcases the ability to mess with the defense, which I think they've done in a lot of different ways, especially in the pick and roll. Um, and then just just do crazy athletic things that we didn't think this team had. And that's just man, it's it, it was it was breathtaking. I, I mean, wish it was a breathtaking sequence. They're kind of running an NBA offense. I, I know because like everybody on the floor and that's, we have that written down here. Is it just accepted that kind of both Steven Enoch and Malik Williams just have the green light? I think it's a little bit more lenient with Malik Williams than it is Steven Enoch. But I mean, all of those guys can hit like they it, can hit. It, it makes it makes this offense so much more dynamic because it, I mean, it obviously opens up, things when you when you have a guy a five that can in the stretch of defense like that and that's just yeah i don't know i didn't expect that we're sitting here what is it january 28th and malik williams has attempted more threes than darius perry and he's shooting a higher percentage (laughs) that's just absurd he's made two threes in the last three straight games yeah like that's bananas and 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 i mean and of course uh you know, Enoch has hit a few as well. I do love that. That sort of not necessarily mid range, but it's almost like five to seven feet away from the basket shot that Enoch is kind of hitting consistently. I love that shot as, as like, that's kind of his version of the stretching and it gives him a little space to work. And it's allowed, I think it's allowed uh, Dwayne Sutton to get some easy baskets down low as well. I've noticed a few times. So there, no, you're right. They both have, both of the big men have the, have the green light and, and, 
CC is running the pick and roll so well, so effectively. I wish we had, you know, I, I, we don't have a great like pick and roll stats, like sort of the NBA does. Um, I would love to see how often they're running the pick and roll, how often each of the guys is, is, is converting buckets on it. Cause it seems like when they run it, it's almost always a basket. What I would love to see off the pick and roll is how many passes from Cunningham resort, resort, <laughs> result in a make because yeah, uh, yeah. it seems like every time that he gets out of the pick and roll and it's off a pass, it's either, it's always a make, but yeah, man, um, Malik, I don't know. I, I could sit here and talk a little while for about Malik Williams. Cause he is just playing great right now. He's fantastic. He's doing a lot of, I mean, Steven Enoch's been great too. Uh, there's a lot of guys who have been awesome, but there was a guy on Twitter a few days ago. I don't know who was the, the big white burly guy that Xavier had a few years ago with the glasses. Do you know what I'm talking uh, about? The big JP guy? Makura or was it? No, you're not talking no, about JP before, before him. Um, uh, man, if I just, uh, I re- man. you're just going to be like, what the hell is going on? If I just search Xavier, big white <laughs> the, guy, I actually, I actually have hit a picture of him pulled up. Oh man. Hold on one second. I'm, uh, I'm literally pulling. Oh, Matt, Matt as <laughs> yes. Somebody made the point to me that if, you know, Chris Matt could get him to kind of ball, then why did we see this coming with Malik Williams and Steven right. Enoch? And I was like, wow, that's a terrific point. <laughs> that's good. I'm dying. That's the first time I've heard that take, and it's it's a glorious one. <laughs> it's, it's so smart. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense that he's he's had success with some of the most unlikely big man. This oh my gosh, this picture of him against Kent State. Is I, I'm glorious. looking at like same one. Oh man, this is so beautiful. Yeah, look up Matt Stainbrook if you're if you're just listening at home because it's just it's a fun one. Uh, no, you're exactly right. Like, why didn't we see this coming? I, I don't know, man. And like, it's great, you know, not to not to talk about something a little more negative, but we went into the season really believing that Malik Williams was going to be the odd man out in this offense. Mm-hmm. And it's doing it's doing Perry. Yeah. It has been Darius Perry and it's been it continues to kind of get more evident, I think, with each game. And, you know, obviously he didn't play against Pittsburgh because he was late once again to a shoot around. I guess it was yeah. the second time this has happened this season but a i don't really know. may not have been a shoot around but another okay. team okay event. i didn't know if it was a shoot around or a team event but at this point i kind of don't know what you do because you need to either i think i really do think you've i've been kind of consistent with thinking that you need to shorten the rotation and kind of get these guys ready to go into march so if Kwan Ford needs to be getting the bulk of minutes, I mean, he kind of already is, but if he needs to get more minutes in rhyme and man's kind of going to bring that second guy you bring in, you need to solidify, I think the two spots. So these guys are faced with as many situations as possible. And I mean, if you want to bring Darius in for get him playing VJ King minutes and see what happens, maybe he hits a few shots and can, you know, be a spark. I kind of think that's what his role is going to be for the rest of the season. I don't really see any moment where he's breaking out out of this this point. yeah if it especially happens, if, i would lo- love to see it obviously yeah but i just don't see it especially if Quan four i mean he's it's uh, the past few games he's hit some threes and if that's happening and he's not turning i mean Quan four isn't turning the ball over like darius perry has been 
it's you, it's really fraught with yeah. I mean, th- it's pretty clear that one guy is is adding to the bottom line and the other's taking away. We're not quite at the writing is on the wall situation for Darius Perry in the future, his future as a Louisville Cardinal. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty dang close. And and there was yeah. there was there was some 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 rumbles about Louisville already you know, kind of reaching out to some point guards, some graduate transfer guards next year. Um, that's already kind of been leaked out. And um, I don't know, maybe that's something to make Darius Perry kind of, you know, take a look at himself. I, I don't know, but if you that's, have, that's some, you, uh, that's some next level. Rip I know in my I mean, games telling Quentin Snatter <laughs> to transfer. What was that sophomore year? If you have a gun to my head and you say, who is the guy who's transferring from this team? You know, I'm saying Darius Perry and I, I'm saying him before VJ King right now for God, sure. Isn't that wild? And that's crazy. That's how, insane. Where we went in a month. And in, in a month could change everything. Darius Perry could come in on Saturday and and be a steadying force like anything can change. But we're we're definitely in a point where Darius Perry's role in this in this in this rotation is slimmer and slimmer by by the day. And, you know, the guys he's competing with for minutes, both of them do something that separate themselves that exactly. nobody else on the floor does. Ryan McMahon exactly. hits threes and Guan Four is a lot down defender on this team. So, I mean, that's that's another issue. He's and we knew. Listen, I mean, we knew Perry. I think we knew Perry was going to struggle defensively. We knew that he was he, he was perfectly suited for the Rick Pitino defense where you could gamble. And we've talked about this. Quan four is better suited for the pack line defense. He's he's a star. He, he stays in front of the ball. He doesn't gamble. He's better suited for things. I just didn't see this offensive aggression from Darius. And and I, which, you know, you everyone who listens knows we love Darius Perry. They know we love the swag. I loved it when he came out with the cornrows earlier this year. Um, but in just about every offensive statistic, he's gotten worse. He's, you know, he's uh, he's committing. I mean, he's committing more fouls. He's shooting way worse from from the three point line. He's shooting way worse just from the field in general. Um, it, it's ah man, I just I want to see. I want better for him. I just uh, he's turning the ball over so much. It's hard. It's, that's that's to me the biggest thing. He's turned the yeah, ball. Yeah, and, and to me, he's like one of those guys that I could totally see transferring to a school and have it success. Oh yeah. Because I, I yeah. don't think that you know Darius is void of talent by any means. Completely agree. I just I, I worry. I think about this is completely system related. Yeah. I, and I think that's different. We've had guys that have left Louisville that weren't system related. There was something else going on. Anton yeah. Gill comes to mind. Um, Shaquan Aaron comes. Shaquan too. Saw him um, suit up for USC the other day. I was like, holy crap, I forgot about this oh guy. Oh my gosh, he's still playing. That's crazy. But I think this one's a little different. Yeah, it is. And and you know, like you said, it's or you know, we'll see what comes next. But uh, it's definitely something I'm keeping my eye on. Hopefully, I, I I definitely don't want it to end in a situation where he's not attending practices and he right. kind of just I don't want it to be like that for him. You know, yeah, I, I, I mean, the way we're uh, the way we're batting with Jordan or maybe he comes out and scores 20 points against Wake Forest. So <laughs> we never know. Uh, but yeah, moving right along, as we've mentioned, uh, we feel great. It's January the 28th. We we're you know, Louisville is five and one or six and one at the top of the ACC. This feels great. This feels fantastic. But we knew, Chris, that February was going to be where the, we figured out how this team was was going to perform in March. And we've got eight games 
coming up, we've got this Wake Forest game. I, okay, Wake Forest is 167 in Ken Palm. We're, we're chalking that up to a win. Uh, if we lose, that's garbage. A but whole other thing, yeah. A whole other thing. So eight games in February. Um, and I actually posed this question to Jeff Greer, the Athletics Louisville basketball writer. Shout to Jeff. If you're listening, Jeff, love you, man. Um, I posed this question to Jeff in his mailbag, so I'm 100% going to steal it here. I said to Jeff, uh, February is a freaking gauntlet for Louisville. I'm curious if you could rank the eight games in February by most winnable for the cards. So, Chris, I wanted to pose the same question for us and totally rip off the content that Jeff wrote that I gave him the suggestion for in the mailbag. So I don't feel that guilty about it. Yeah, so, I think I think <laughs> in fairness, I haven't looked at the rankings yet that he, he posted. I will after this podcast, but uh, we start. Can we just start with which one we view as the most difficult? Yeah, let's start from there. Let's start from there. Because I, I think it's Duke. I Yeah. Yeah. No question. Pretty much hands down. I think um, uh, I think Duke. I just I don't know. I mean, Virginia, of course, has had Louisville's number, but um, I just don't see. I think Duke's a bad matchup for Louisville. Not I, I completely Duke. <laughs> yeah, I think so, Duke uh, back to Louisville. What Kentucky did, what Tennessee did, where just just really demarcate themselves away. Um, yeah. I, I think they can scheme against Virginia a little better, and and yeah. can go from there. So yeah, we yeah. agree. Yeah, Duke so hard. I think it, I think it's going to be Duke, Virginia, obviously, um, and then. Although I, I do think that Louisville gets Virginia. Um, I have Ooh, came around to that okay. came around to that take. I think they get Virginia in one of these games. I think they get Virginia at home, February 23rd, calling the shot right now. Oh, wow. Why um, do you think that you, you got, you, you can't call it and not explain. What do you, because what do you, I, what I, I think that Louisville will have success. I think we just talked about pick and roll. I yeah. think Louisville will have success against that. They, they, it's going to be really interesting to me to see a pack line defense versus a pack line defense, because I think what always hurt Louisville teams, especially Rip Bettino coach Rip teams against Virginia is they were beat off the dribble. So frequently Quentin Snyder was a big, big part of that. Um, when you do that against Virginia, they just absolutely kill you because they start making threes. And when your Virginia makes threes, they turn an eight point lead into a 10 point lead into a 12 point lead. And when Virginia has a 12 point lead against you, you're not it winning feels like basketball 24. Game. <laughs> yeah. So I think the biggest reason is I think that Louisville will be able to defend them pretty well because I think Virginia is going to look at themselves in the mirror um, in some aspects on, on defensively. I don't think Louisville's quite quite the defensive team that Virginia is. I'm not saying that, but I, I don't know, man. I think Louisville will have success against them. Um, I think Christian Cunningham will have some success against them because I think he's the type of guy who does have success against him. I think he's smart enough to not turn over the ball and kind of feed into that defense. And I think he's a guy that can get his, his teammates open and, and kind of attack the areas that you need to attack. It, yeah. it would seem logical to me that this team has been spent pretty much the entire season being taught the pack line defense. Defense. So you would think they know the best ways to attack it. I think that's, I think that seems pretty uh, straightforward and, you know, yeah. simple take in my mind. That's fair. Um, I, I don't necessarily agree with you, but I do, you know, you know, we're narrative guys. And I do think the narrative of revenge for that 
that brutal loss last year is going to have something to do with it. We've seen this Louisville team uh, locked down Virginia um, offensively. You know, they're a much better offense this year than they were last year. It's, it's definitely worth saying that. Um, but I think if Louisville, especially the way that they're playing right now, if they can move the, if they can move the ball up and down the court quickly, then they should have some success. And as you mentioned in Virginia defensively this year, they don't turn their opponents over. They just play really good perimeter defense. They've so, also never had really Louisville's never had a team that could hurt them beyond the perimeter with every every player on the court. And Virginia doesn't really play against teams that can do that. So I mean, and I know this is yeah, and and this is a little weird. I didn't mean to jump on you, but like I almost sort of envision the way that Louisville can attack Virginia on the inside as a similar fashion to how Duke did. If that yeah. makes any sense, no, I, I, I passing wise. And, and I know you said to pick and roll. I mean, that's what worked between RJ Barrett and, and Zion Williams. I mean, or just for Zion Williamson, of course, Christian Cunningham and uh, Stephen Enoch slash Malik Williams. They aren't that same pair, but that worked that that obviously worked to a degree. And I, I could see that working. I just I just am never, you know. Every time I go into that Louisville Virginia game and think they're going to win, they don't. Um, yes. So I'm just I'm done. I'm done doing that. But okay, I, I see what you're saying. I can I can envision that. Uh, that's the last game of of next month, so we have a long ways to go. Yeah. Uh, or second to last. So game. so after that, I guess it comes down to for me. Virginia Tech and actually Syracuse. Yeah, um, I knew, I, over, I, uh, over Florida State because. My God, Syracuse is going to do the same thing every year where they're going to sneak into the tournament as a nine seed and they're going to go to the lead A because that's just <laughs> what they do. Um, so going to the Carrier Dome in a game that Syracuse is probably going to need um, in February 20th, I would say um, if they're not. I mean, I would say they're going to need it to make the tournament. Yeah. Um, so winning there. um no, no easy task. I haven't seen a whole lot of Syracuse, obviously seen them against Duke. Um, did actually have them as one of my preseason um, final four teams. <laughs> and that hasn't really uh, lived up to expectations, but who knows uh, what goes. They, they do certainly have talent. Um, Florida State's been so up and down. Um, I think that's a lot more winnable game for Louisville than it was, you know, a few weeks ago. Um. Yeah. So what do we have? Virginia Tech is probably the. Yeah. Duke number one, Virginia number two, Virginia Tech three, Florida State, uh, or Syracuse four, Florida State five. And then after that, kind of all blends in. I guess Boston College. uh, I'd actually probably say at Boston College six, and then Notre Dame at home um, seventh. I I think Notre Dame at that point is going to kind of be lifeless, plus it's senior day for Louisville. So they've they're kind of in a oh I forgot Clemson there's that Clemson Clemson, yeah I put Clemson ahead of Boston College yeah so yeah for sure yeah I think I one thing one thing about that Syracuse matchup I always think about I just I never love Louisville in the carry dome it just there's just there's some kind of evil juju I think you know you know going back to Mango missing uh, (laughs) missing free throws that would send Louisville to the final four right um, it always seems like Louisville teams lose there even when they shouldn't so I'm right there with you I mean I'd say I would say Virginia number you know Virginia Duke one and two I think those are kind of switchables I just those are games I just expect to lose 100% Sure. Um, I, I I don't know what it is about Virginia Tech this season, but I've never really been super impressed by them. 
Yeah, they it, don't they don't necessarily play play a impressive style of basketball. So I, I think I mean their most what their most impressive win this season is in November against Purdue. Mm-hmm. They just beat Syracuse, you know, pretty handily by 22 points at home. Okay, that's that's a solid win, but that's at home. But every time they've gone against quality competition outside of those games, Virginia on the road, they got smacked. I, I, you expect that to happen. North Carolina on the road, they got smacked. Uh, I just, I'm not, you know, I haven't watched enough of them, probably, honestly, but, you know, their best win outside of that is Washington. Um, and we so all know how the Pac-12 is this season. Like, it's not, I'm not super impressed with their with their resume. Is Chris Clark, like, gone from the team? Like he was suspended and suspended. Yeah, he's from not the team. playing. Yeah, he was suspended from the team in October 31st. I'm reading the article right now, and then there has not been anything written. It wasn't, you know, fully suspension. It was suspended indefinitely. So I guess he's done. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Uh, yeah, he hasn't played at all. I mean, he's, he's not, still he's on the. Uh, he's still on the team roster. On he's the, on the, the team roster, but he's not. He's not collecting statistics yeah. on Ken Palm. I'm looking at their team and their roster there. Um, I mean, Justin Robinson, you know, it's, you know, he's, he's a potential ACC player this year. Um, He's had a great year. Um, Kerry Blackshear also having a really good season. Um, I'm just, I'm not scared. I look at these, I I look at what they're doing. I mean, they can, they, they shoot the ball real well. They're, they're number two in the country in three, three point percentage, which is great. But I think looking at some of their games, I mean, they played, Sheesh, they've played one, two, three, four, five, six, seven uh, teams that were lower than 250th on Ken Palm. Yeah. So, I mean, and and they, they ran up the score against those guys. I mean, if you're scoring yet, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm not impressed by 94, 94 to 40 against Central Connecticut, my guy. Like, I'm just not I, impressed by that. <laughs> I, think, I think they'll attack Louisville in a lot of the ways that Pittsburgh did, um, especially at Pitt. Um, I think it'll be kind of a similar. I do think that Justin Robinson's probably a better guard than, you know, any of the guys that Pitt throws out. But that doesn't mean you should necessarily be scared. I mean, Louisville Louisville handled Pittsburgh at home just a few days ago. Um, So, yeah, it's it's really hard to get scared of of any Buzz Williams coach coach team in my mind. I think um, what they do, I mean, they do, they do turn other teams over. They do turn opponents over very effectively. They're 11th in the country. I turn over turnover percentage or percentage, excuse me. And that's something that of course Louisville can struggle with. Um, so there's that, but outside of that, I don't see anything that Louisville, I don't think can handle. I mean, they can, they can get in a shootout with you. They can, um, they you know they can get to the line pretty well and it seems like that's an that's an issue for Virginia Tech they can slow the game down um yeah i, don't, I that, so that game that game to me i'm so, not concerned about so you in your mind it wouldn't be and, and i don't know that it would be in mine either but it wouldn't be absurd for you to think that Louisville would be riding an eight game winning streak going into duke no i, I don't um at florida state kind of worries me cuz i that's a Saturday game. And then you're thinking about Duke on Tuesday. That one worries me a little more. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking at North Carolina, Virginia tech, Florida state, would you, would you have Florida state over North Carolina at home? And in terms of difficulty? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I don't know. I, I mean, just think. I, I mean, know. I disagree I, with you. I don't really have any profound reason to disagree with you. But I do think. Yeah. Well, I guess. I guess I need to consider. I, I'm kind of checking off this Saturday as a win. But I, I, we're going to get a different North Carolina team on Saturday. 
I, I think I, I just am not internalizing that right now. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I don't know. Florida state's another one of those teams. I mean, they want, they Louisville beat them last year, you know, with uh you know with all the issues they had last season and i know this is a little bit of a different team they lost a lot of the guys from that squad and um leonard hamilton team's also kind of another kind of guy that i'm just like him and buzz <laughs> williams like i just i'm kind of never super scared of those guys i don't know no, why. I, I get it i mean <laughs> the most scariest attribute that leonard hamilton has is he looks like the guy off the wire yeah man I mean, so, Amsterdam. <laughs> yeah yeah totally so i get it yeah so yeah so i'll run this back let me uh you know virginia duke one two um syracuse i'll go florida state virginia tech North Carolina, Florida State, (laughs) North Carolina, Virginia Tech, Clemson, Boston College. Yeah, I think that's my I think that's my list. All right. There you have (laughs) Gabe's going on record saying that the only Louisville losses are going to be Duke and Virginia. Got it. No, I think I don't know. I'm I'm expecting us to lose that Syracuse. It just that just feels like a loss. Yeah. I mean, it's it's if it's not if it's not Syracuse, it's at Florida State, Virginia Tech. It's going to be one of those three. You have to feel that Louisville's going to lose at least one of those games. I can see them losing two. I don't expect them to lose all three. How about that's that's my that's my hot take. Okay, I'm with you. They're there. not losing uh, all three. They're not losing all three of those games. I think that's good. I think looking at that that three, Virginia Tech, Florida State, and Syracuse, I think you can look at that, that if Louisville goes two and three there, that's like a, that's moving up a seat. Oh, line. yeah. I completely yeah. agree. Completely agree. Those are those are the A games. Those are the quadrant one games that, that matter, um, if, especially if you can take care of business against North Carolina. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that's, uh, that was a fun exercise. <laughs> Can we talk about Rubatino? Please, Chris. Please. I, I have a question for you. So, okay. Rubatino comes out today to, I guess it was EuroLeague.com. That, I guess it's just the NBA version of, you know. That, the, uh, the European basketball stalwart, the New York Times of European basketball, EuroLeague.com. Let me back up for just a second because <laughs> any I can't figure out half the time if – his team is winning or not because every every their twitter feeds in greek and and i guess they put they put the the losing team first like they they put the first score first like the losing team (laughs) is first and then the winning team is i don't know it confuses the hell out of me so i'm not even sure really what ripetino's record is since taking over the team i don't know if he's doing good i know that they brought him in because there were there were a lot of trouble with their team so (laughs) i'm not exactly sure but anyway his quote today is i'm only here for a short sabbatical so I got to ask you, does Ribatino know something that we don't know? Yeah, I think so, Chris. <laughs> I think so. Listen, when I heard I, I'm I'm moving my I'm moving my confidence level of Rick Bettino being the UCLA Bruins head coach <laughs> by May 1st to like 75 percent. And and I was up to like I w- I want to say I was up to like sixty percent when I saw the name Casey Wasserman associated with Rick Pitino. If yeah. people aren't aware who Casey Wasserman is, uh, he is like I think his dad started WMA Wasserman something something, and they're like one of the biggest you know agencies like of acting musicians sports in the world. So this dude entertainment wise is like 
Ari Gold. Like he's like the Ari Gold of of the world. He's not even he's so big in that world. He's not even in it anymore. Like his work right now literally is to to plan the Olympics for Los Angeles. I believe he was a big part of that thing. But when I heard he was involved and he wanted to get Rick Pitino to UCLA, I knew that like any backroom deal was now in play and just yeah. like anything was possible because this dude gets what he wants this Casey Washerman fellow who he actually to go back to the Bill Simmons podcast. He's had like two or three interviews on that podcast and they've all been very good. Very interesting fellow, very successful young man. I, I, um, I have to stop you for just a second. We'll come back to the, the UCLA <laughs> thing in just a second, but I'm looking at these mentions and Tim Sullivan's quoting the odyssey as a response <laughs> in these mentions. So I just felt that's worth, that's worth what, mentioning. What? Like your mention. It's no, not in these in the mentions of this article. He actually uh, was quoting the one where Ribatino was quoted saying, I'm only here for a short sabbatical. There's a about four or five tweets down. Tim Sullivan is quoting the Odyssey as a response to oh, that article. Gosh. So, yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but Ribatino and UCLA, I mean, I think it would be a good obviously I think it'd be a good hire for UCLA, but I think it would kind of work just because he's in LA and they're, you know, the fourth, fifth story in that town, obviously as it relates to sports. So it would, they really wouldn't take, you know, bad press, at least as California relates, you know, it's the most, I mean, it, it fits perfectly, Chris. And I think oh, it we does. talked about it. It's a French, you know, a, a college basketball program that, in its core, the people who are giving them money, they believe that they're way more important and prominent still than they are. And then you've got a head coach who believes he's still this high level head coach respected by his peers. Right. Uh, ability to dominate in on the court, which I, I to be fair, I think he, he still can see success and they're just perfect for each other. Oh, my God. Rick they're Pitino a match Cal- in California nightclub. Who doesn't want that? Rick Pitino at want- Stan Anita on Saturdays like, getting bottle service and you know they play in the terrible Pac-12 so he's got one oak two days one and he's oak, like you know yeah he's at Santa Anita until midnight betting long shots and they got Washington two days later and he doesn't give a damn because he knows the Pac-12 is garbage and he's gonna out coach all these guys anyway so I mean you Jesus. couldn't write a better situation for Rick Pitino, and that's why I'm all in. And this quote is only confirmation that this gentleman, when it comes to April the 4th, the day after the national championship, he's going to say, good day, Greece. This, it was a pleasure. And he's going to take a private jet, Casey Wasserman's, you know, 767, this S got double bedrooms in the words of Drake. And he's going to take it to L.A. <laughs> and he's going to sign on the dotted line for UCLA and do a, a promo next to Bill Walton on the Pac-12 channel that nobody has. And he's yeah. going to be the coach. So if this this happens, do we how long does it take to where we get hot takes from Ribatino on LeBron and what the Lakers should be doing at press conferences? Because, you know, like, you know, he's he's kind of signaling to to magic because at this point, hell, Luke Walton could be looking for a job in the Lakers. 2020, you know, Chris. This, this is this Lakers. is setting up for Ribatino to coach the Lakers is what I'm telling you. I I I would I I would believe anything when it comes to Rick Pitino at this point. I would believe so, anything. 
So I do have a question for you. Okay. And okay. we wrote it down, so I have to ask. We did. We did. What is what is more likely, Ribatino coaching in college again, or how about Ribatino coaching at UCLA, or Matt Jones running and beating Mitch McConnell? It's Rick Pitino for me, and it's not close. <laughs> it's, I mean, and, and I'm not even saying that like as like a Matt Jones thing. I just right. where do I? I literally where do I bet money on Rick Pitino being the next coach of UCLA? Where where do I where do I put money down? Because I think that's I think it's a done deal already. Like quite honestly, I think it's already a done deal. <laughs> if it isn't UCLA at this point after this conversation, it has to be California somewhere. Because <laughs> I I am in love with the idea of I'm in love with the idea of Rick at San Anita giving Lakers takes. Hitting up Nick Young, who isn't even in California anymore, but he probably still has a house there. <laughs> let's be honest. So, yeah, I, I need all of it, man. It would be so much fun. It would be so much fun. And like, uh, oh gosh, I want it so badly. I want it so badly. <laughs> I'm curious um, what what former UCLA player would get a horse named after them. And I'm pretty sure that would be Bill Walton, but... I could see it see it going a few different ways. Aaron Aflalo. Aaron Aflalo is a great <laughs> horse name. <laughs> I'm all in. Russell Westbrook, the horse. I don't know, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh. We gotta move on. I've I could laugh. I'm just gonna keep laughing about this. <laughs> man. Dude, it, it really is it, bottle service at Santa Anita. Wine for everyone. Rick Pitino back in college. It's going to be a beautiful day. We'll, we'll, we will have an instant pod when that it's happens. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. If it doesn't happen at UCLA, it's going to happen. Yeah, no, I think, I, I think you know, at the, uh, you know, in all seriousness, it does seem like this kind of year away has kind of turned down the volume and turned down the heat. He just kind of had to go away for a while. Yeah. You know, time heals all wounds. You know, I don't think, you know, I think UCLA is probably the best possible job he's going to get. I'd be floored if he got anything better than that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I could see him, you know, heck, maybe, you know, some some New York school, Stony Brook. Teams I have written down. Indiana, hilarious. No, Minnesota, yeah. also hilarious because he'd be taking over for Richard Bertino. <laughs> um, Wake Forest, which I could actually legitimately see. Um, I no, I don't think – I think the ACC is too close to Louisville. Yeah, potentially. Yeah. And then Manhattan is a really weird one just because Steve Masiello had the whole thing with South Florida where, you know, he lied about his degree. Um, So they kind of got upset with that. And then since then, they've had losing seasons and they're well on the way to one here. So, you know, as like a last like if if he's that desperate to get him back into coaching, I could see him definitely going to a small New York school like that. Like, yeah, I think I I don't think it's going to be an ACC team. I don't think it's going to be an SEC team. So. And those are, those are, those are my general thing, but I, I, I'm fully prepared for him to come back. I mean, if, if Larry Brown could come back, why not Rick Pitino? That's and literally I, and I think, what I was thinking. I think that was ridiculous at the time. You know, that was, we didn't like internalize how ridiculous that was. It just, oh my it, God. Was. it was absurd. I mean, I, and honestly, at this point, after North Carolina, and we could go on tangents about the NCA after the the kind of the way they they've handled this whole situation up to now, I don't think a team should be scared of hiring them because at this point, it's it's a joke anyway. Yeah, they, they, they've clearly shown you repeatedly that you know went above all costs and worry about the consequences later. So why wouldn't you? Yeah, for sure, for sure. 
All right, you want to talk? Uh, yeah, talk Scott Satterfield for so, yes, you know, five no, six minutes. For five six minutes of uh, of of Louisville football talk, um, Chris. You know we're not we're admittedly not recruiting guys. Uh, yeah. But my people tell me that the recruiting is good. <laughs> my people tell me <laughs> the recruiting is is succeeding. Uh, Louisville had probably one of its biggest weekends. I mean, certainly the biggest weekend of the Satterfield regime. Um, they have, I believe, five commitments uh, right now, yeah. including a transfer, a grad transfer from um, from Florida. Uh, some other this uh, this tight end from Vanderbilt who played offensive tackle which is like a wild story. He like the dude couldn't keep the weight and he's like, all right, I gotta, I gotta leave Vandy. I'm not going to play. He was like an, an all sec freshman and he couldn't keep the weight on. And, and then he ended up becoming a tight end. I have no idea if the dude can even catch a ball, but he can block. So there's that. Um, yeah, so it looks like there's going to be a couple more guys, uh, but I think in general the the kind of idea and thought is, I mean, first classes are always kind of weird. I think you know you're kind of just seeing who you can keep from the last guy, last guys uh, recruits, and who you can get in from your previous job. Um, but it seems like for where they are, Louisville's in a decent place. I'm not, I don't know, like I'm not going to go out on a limb and say that the next, you know. Now the next Eric Wood or the next uh, Mario Benavidez is in this class for offensive linemen where they're really focusing their time. Right. Um, but it does seem like Satterfield, you're getting an idea, especially defensively, honestly, of what Satterfield wants to do. Um, you're getting some defensive linemen. You know, he doesn't want big, big guys. He's getting like 275, 280. Yeah, and I thought that was yeah, where you were kind of going, I thought that was the most interesting thing. Yeah, completely. Look, it was it was exciting to just see like well, we'll have a few guys. It generates a little bit of excitement around the the program just uh, to get guys that want to come and wear, you know, the red and black. Um and I don't really know that it's anything more than that. I've I've really tried to bite my tongue on uh, just the <laughs> the over optimism on online because I get it. People People are excited, but just we just got to slow down just a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, you know, I'm a little closer to the to the optimism than you are. Right. I just, I think we've just been in such a rut, man. Last season was so garbage. It was so terrible. And people have got something to celebrate. I mean, you know. Last week we were talking, you know, last episode we talked a little about spring football and people just want an excuse to get excited about football, I think. And no, if someone's talking to you and telling you that this unranked like this dude who's literally not rated on any of the the rating sites is like the next the next Remington award winner like that guy doesn't know what he's talking about we don't like there's no way I don't think that that's what's gonna happen but yes it is excited it's exciting to see coaches get people here on their own volition when that was apparently an issue with recruiting and it's just it's it's a nice breath of fresh air in the football world for sure yeah honestly one of the coolest things for me has been seeing how involved it sounds kind of like corny but seeing just how active some of the coaches have been on social media i know Um, yeah that was obviously a thing with you know with basketball but you know court dennison has just he he has managed to find ways to get me pumped up and i've had pretty cautious optimism about this team but just going through his twitter feed and seeing where he's at and you know kind of putting that message out there every day is cool 
cool to see. So if it's if it's not anything, it's that yeah. at least, you know, yeah, and generating then, you know, some excitement. And I'm following our man Gunter Brewer, who was oh, at the basketball God. game. God. Our dude Gunter Brewer uh, really enjoyed the basketball game against uh, Pittsburgh. There was a lot of recruits there. They got they, they that uh, Jordan Nora oop was right in front of them, which is cool. Um, it seems like there's just excitement there, and yeah. Like we said, we're not we're not recruiting guys. It's cool, but it's cool to see something good happening in football. Yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah, and I think it's well. I mean, mention, yeah. and I think yeah. I think that's that's it right there. Yeah, it was worth worth mentioning for sure. Completely agree. All right, Chris. One more sports shake, and I'm going to pitch you on this. You know, we talked we talked a little bit about Los Angeles, a little about the NBA. So I've got this take for you. Here it is. Anthony Davis, if you may or may not be aware, um, former, you know, UK basketball player dominated, you know, 2012 championship team. That man literally came in front of me at the final four and said, this is my stage. And I've <laughs> never, I've, I've been very scared ever since of him as I um, should have be. been. It was the most <laughs> incredible thing I've ever seen. Um, but anyway, he is a currently a new Orleans Pelican and he has requested a trade from there. Most likely to LA. There's some. Yes, sir. He has the same agent as LeBron and other stuff. And there's just a situation where it seems like LA is probably the best opportunity, um, the probably the most likely destination for him to be traded before this trade deadline in two weeks. But here is my take, Chris. The inevitable Anthony Davis trade will be the most important moment for the NBA to Louisville movement since the building of the KFC Yum Center. Okay. And, and I kind of think I know where you're going with this. Okay. But I want you, want you to go ahead and just, just, so here's my, here. here's my thought process. So, um, New Orleans, if you're again, if you're not to understand, if you don't know a lot about the NBA, New Orleans has the worst attendance of any NBA team. They're a very small market. The team is owned by the owners of the Saints and that family is in turmoil. So they don't really put a lot of attention into the Pelicans. And um, I think it's best to say that in some circles of the NBA, people saw Davis as the last best hope for New Orleans basketball. So New Orleans is now going to make this move where they're going to give up a top five guy in the league for a group of youngsters that may or may not pan out and, uh, you know, draft picks and whatever. But that's only going to make a worse fan, you know, a, a terrible fan base, a terrible attending, you know, kind of vibe around them even worse. And we're going to get into a situation, I believe, that they're going to start talking about moving the team from New Orleans. And and although the NBA legitimately, it's really important to the NBA that there's a team in New Orleans uh, that the league owned the Pelicans for a while when they were the Hornets down there. Um, They owned the team, you know, they owned the team for several years before they sold it to the Benson family, who, of course, also owns the Saints, as I mentioned. Um, But I think this is really going to set them up for potentially moving to Seattle or Las Vegas or, you know, I I, I don't know if they'd move to Louisville because I think maybe one of those cities would kind of, um, you know, get first shot. But but my point is, is that it's going to take a name, a a city off the board of relocation and expansion that would potentially have taken Louisville spot in a possibility of expansion in five to 10 years. Yeah. I mean, 
and this was kind of when you wrote this down, I was like, holy shit, I just had this like, kind, of, <laughs> kind of thought process in my head and kind of the wheels were turning for me is because it may not be New Orleans, but, you know, if if they move out of New Orleans, the NBA is going to have to add probably another team because I think that's what they want to do. If they're going to have to switch, switch around the divisions, I think that's always been, a, a, you know, a, a discussion. But having stated all that, what do you do with Anthony Davis now? Do you play him? Because I I think there is literally a situation where, you know, whether it's in New Orleans or not, I do think there's a situation where maybe that New Orleans can't win this, but I think there's a situation where they can come out okay, and that would involve setting Anthony Davis, tanking and getting a top three pick, and then trading him and getting more value on top of that, whether it's to... Um, if it's if it's to L.A., my L.A. Lakers, I really hope it doesn't involve Brandon Ingram. I think that would be a mistake, but I think that's probably going to happen. Yeah. But yeah. Do you do you play? Do you play Anthony Davis and just say, you know, we'll we'll start shopping trade offers now or because well, I think two my favorite I, kind of like topics. In no, this is and, and, you know, to bring a full circle, we talked about NBA Twitter. This is the best part. Of NBA Twitter is talking about that's the thing about NBA Twitter. The most fun thing is to talk about the not basketball parts of the because right. social media is so good for that. But I do think two things in regards to this. One, I think the Lakers, I would be shocked if the Lakers don't make an offer that literally New Orleans can't refuse because the Lakers know they have to make this deal before the trade deadline because the Boston Celtics can make a better deal this summer. Yeah. Uh, there's some uh, collective bargaining agreement rules that because Kyrie Irving is on the Celtics and was acquired via trade, um, the Celtics cannot acquire another max contract guy via trade. Just it's a weird rule. Um, so th- but they can wait until Kyrie Irving becomes a free agent to then acquire Anthony Davis. So I think the Lakers know that and the Lakers, this is their chance to get Davis. And they just they can't assume that he'll be there in the summer for them to take. So I think they're going to make a grandfather, a godfather offer, an offer that cannot be refused. And also B, I think the Pelicans are already in such bad shape, you know, with their reputation in the league. I think it would be really, really bad for them trying to start, you know, starting this new chapter in their franchise by saying, we're not going to listen to the, our, our, to our star player. And if you're a star player coming here, we might not listen to you either. Right. Yeah. So I, I think those are the two things for me. I, I don't think that's going to happen. I, I get it from like a unilateral. I'm a franchise type thing. I think that's probably the best option, honestly, right? Is to wait and see and see. Oh, yeah. And and to take these offers at the end of the season. I mean, they come out and see where the draft picks are. See, see who's where, you know. Yeah, because if you're going to, there's a few things here. If Danny Ainge calls me, I'm probably not picking up the damn phone because every trade that man has made, he has won. You know, with go ahead and, uh, you know, take Markel, folks. I guess we'll go ahead and just take Jason Tatum, even (laughs) though we already wanted him. You know, go ahead and take uh, we'll we'll take Kyrie Irving. You you can have Isaiah Thomas, I guess. So, yeah, like but I think that is, you know, the smartest decision for them. I'm not sure it'll happen, but. Another kind of interesting angle of this is LeBron's the the LeBron, you know, is kind of taking over in L.A. right now. That story comes out this week from I don't know if you caught it from Jackie McMillan about 
You know, he's not exactly happy with the coaching situation. Yeah. Two days ago, he was going to come back, you know, this week. Well, maybe next week. So I think there's there's some uh, little uh, LeBron things going on for sure, too, that um, they want to keep that man happy. And it better happen. GM LeBron is going to get his way. GM, yeah. GM LeBron knows that he needs this to happen now and he's going to get his way. And I'm, and I think also he's going to get the coach he wants eventually. I, I don't know who it would be, but um, it seems up. like <laughs> John Calvary. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, it's, it seems like this is the only way. I mean, I, I am loving the talk of the Knicks, potentially uh, making a deal with Porzingis. I wouldn't hate that. I I love Porzingis. I I would love to have Anthony Davis. I love Porzingis. That's hard for me. I just don't see... Good luck selling me Porzingis off off that ACL, though. I I mean, if you you want to go that route, good luck selling me... I mean... mean, Anthony Davis is in some ways just as broken a bridge as Chris. No, no, it's, it's, it's true. <laughs> yeah, it, it's true. But I think that's that's kind of that would be the common thread for some reason no. or whatever or another. They look at Crispus as is and an more of an more of a you know question mark rather than they would Anthony Davis, but yeah. maybe not. No, definitely. I think it, all good point. It's 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 a fascinating time and it's really funny because it's like it's Super Bowl week and I literally care way more about what's going to happen Dude, in this and, and it's <laughs> i went through my head today the timing of this for me is just it makes you buy into the conspiracy stuff that much more because it's like the nba stays winning man i remember yeah. five or six years ago where it always seemed like and it's it's always seemed like the nfl has been you know a 365 a day sport but anymore, I think the NBA has started to turn into that. And it's more because they've they've let their players kind of show their personality and everything else that's come with that has, has been so much fun. Yeah, it has been. And you could go into the whole. I Dude, mean, I, I could love to talk about it. The NFL NBA. <laughs> you know, the worst thing that's happened to the NBA in five years has probably been Donald Sterling. And they haven't really had anything. No, they haven't had anything then. bad happened since then, for sure. It's it's. It's fascinating. It's it's fascinating. Um, it's the it's. I mean, they say like NBA Twitter always jokes best league, and I like have joked about that. That it's like, you know, that's it gets an obnoxious. I, there's some obnoxiousness to the NBA yeah. that, that that especially in the Twitter world that I, I kind of get annoyed with. But you're right. And when it comes down to it, it's the most interesting off the court on the court um, combination to me it, it, of of all the leagues for sure. And you want to talk obnoxious and being on Twitter has been the worst thing for me because it has tested my Lakers fandom because, <laughs> oh, boy, we have a lot of annoying ass fans. There's a lot of annoying ass Lakers fans, unfortunately. <laughs> there and are, I there. fear they'll only get worse once Davis gets over there. Oh, well, you're you're going to have to shut me up because if Anthony Davis and LeBron are on the team together and Rajon, I'm going to be telling you that Rajon Rondo's an all star <laughs> again. I'll be. I, I'm ready. I'm. I'm hey, ready. Hey, Davis to, freed him last year. Davis freed Rondo last year. He, right. He brought out the best Rondo for sure. I'm ready to unload everyone, but I would love to keep either Cal Kuzma or Brandon Ingram. I think that would be my one. Like, if you're like Brandon Ingram, Cal Kuzma, Lonzo, they can all go. I'd be like, Ugh. yeah. That that would you, cause me pause. You want to take two of them? That's fine, but I don't think you can give all three. 
I don't know, man. It's Anthony Davis. <laughs> Get rid of the kids. <laughs> LeVar Ball will be, be coming off the bench next year. There's a, Hey, man, there's already – there the the tweet has already gone out from Shams uh, that, that Lonzo, if he gets traded, he wants to go to a third team. He doesn't want to be on the Pelicans. The man's is afraid of Alfred Payton. <laughs> oh, my Lord. Did you see the uh, – do you, do you still have the, the Google Doc from our show up right now? Yes, you're going to talk to me about the the amazing tweet. Do you see that hyperlink? Because I've I've lost it. So maybe you can just pull up that that. Yes, I've got it. So I'm going to read this tweet out. Holy hell! The this is from at Godzo Ball, like Lonzo, but with G O D instead of Lon. Um, The NBA is investigating Anthony Davis's trade request for tampering. What if they find out this has been planned for years and it involves Kyrie too? LeBron sent Kyrie to Boston so the Celtics wouldn't be able to trade until this summer. And then Kyrie comes during free agency to Los Angeles and they form the big three eyes emoji. And then it's two images. Best league. Two images. One of uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron, both in Lakers jerseys and uh, LeBron is smiling. And then the second of Kyrie wearing a Lakers jersey, number 11. And uh, it's just hilarious. And shout out to this gentleman, Godzo Ball, who's got just a bunch of Lonzo Ball images. And Lonzo Ball very <laughs> likely will not be on this team. Which makes that perfect. I think that's the best way to end the show. That's right the best way to end this podcast, Chris. I appreciate your time. I appreciate everyone's time uh, for listening into the show. I know we, uh, we're we going to try and maybe do a non-sports, full non-sports pod here at maybe the end of, by the end of this week. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. And we'll for sure be all over February. Uh, we're really excited for February. Really excited for March. Got a few things we've been talking about. Might hear some fun stuff coming from us. Follow us on Instagram if you haven't already. A bunch of people did after my little intro last week. Uh, appreciate you at what high school. And um, yeah. Chris, thanks for joining me yet again. Absolutely, man. Y'all take care. See you guys.